Coming to you live from a barbecue shack near you, it's the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. We've got the sweet tea, the white bread, and a whole lot of slow smoke takes lined up. So put down your turkey burger, turn up the volume, and grab your hog, because it's about to be on. Oh, yeah. Now, say hello to your self-proclaimed food and sports experts, the utterly enthusiastic Holt Smash, and the one and only Tinder King of Memphis, Mr. JB the underscore Brooks. And now, here's your host, always full of ship, Alex Bullship One. The official SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. I'm your host, Alex, a.k.a. Bullship One. I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Holt Smash. Holt, what's up? Hey, Alex. How are you doing this fine evening? It's nice to... Uh... Uh, I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. I'm also joined by Mr. J.B. Brooks reunion show because we haven't, we haven't heard from him in a while. Uh, yeah, I think I only missed one show, but it seems like a lifetime between us, so it's, it's good to be back, and I am ready to rock and roll, as a uh, father would say to his kids in today's age. <laughs> we, we did miss your hot takes. Um, we're excited to do Florida football preview podcast. I think Florida could be one of the more exciting teams to talk about in the SEC um, in SEC East, and I think in the SEC overall. Um, JB, which, out of the SEC, which teams are you most excited to talk about, or is Florida in that like list of like top three? Uh, Florida is definitely probably around the top half for me. What I'm most excited about Florida this season is their uh, defense, what they have returning on defense. Like uh, their defense, I think, is going to be amongst the uh, not just the best in the SEC, amongst the best in the SEC, but amongst the best in the country. I think this year. We could have possibly four teams in the SEC that will be top ten in total defense in the country. I think this is going to be a very strong year for the SEC on defense, and I think Florida is going to be one of them. Before we talk about Florida football, uh, just want to confirm, is Orlando, Florida, still the worst place to live in the world? Yes. I, I like, I'm usually one of those people that like I can pretty much have a good time anywhere, but for some reason I just really hate Orlando. Like Every time I've been there, I've just thought that it really sucked, and – I just think like the, you know, it's like in the middle of the state, so you're like not near the beach at all, and then you got like all the all these kids running around, like all these people, like all these tourists around, and everything's so overpriced, and the traffic is terrible. It's just, I don't know. I just don't. It just doesn't seem like a great place. You just don't like Mickey Mouse. That's what it is. You scared? I, I also do not like Mickey Mouse. Did I? I did. do like. Go ahead. So I do like Goofy though. Goofy. Everybody's Goofy. Goofy's pretty good. I did see uh, Toy Story 4, so I don't know where y'all are on that, but um, it was really, really good. I don't know if you're big into Toy Story or Pixar like I am, but um, it was it was a great movie. It's, it's almost, I mean, I'm not, not too afraid to say it. It's, it's almost a little tearjerker for you. I've seen it. I, I saw it uh, a few days after it came out. I was the only dude in the theater that was not a mom or a kid. It was yeah. good, though. I liked it. 
did you cry with all the other moms and kids? No, I didn't cry because it's an animated film, and animated films just aren't going to make me cry. But uh, it's definitely a uh, tearjerker, you know, for some. I mean, I think it's a, a good closure ending, and I would be okay with it if Disney and Pixar do not make another film in the series. That's what I was thinking about. I didn't think there would be a, another one after the third one, but um, they found a way to make a fourth one, and the fourth one would be a good ending. Um, Holt, I know you're excited about Lion King over there. You want to talk about Lion King or anything before we talk about Florida football? No, not really. All right, cool. Uh, Florida football, Holt. We'll, uh, we'll stay with you because I feel like you're like almost our insider on Florida football just because it's like you you got you to follow your ex closely, right, with Dan Mullen? Yeah, a little bit. But, you know, the one good thing about, uh, about that ex is that when the other person is enjoying that ex, uh, you know that they have something coming that they're not expecting uh, because you've seen it all before. And so it's just kind of fun to sit back and I uh, just kind of wait for, for that moment to kind of manifest itself. So you're saying this is like fool's gold. Last season was fool's gold for Florida football. Well, I mean, not necessarily. I do think Damon's a good coach. I just think he has his limitations, and I think Florida fans are like slowly starting to realize that. Uh, I don't know if you can realize after one year, because I think they're ready to win national championships after winning 10 games last year. I don't know what Florida fans are talking to, but I'd, I'd like some of what they're having. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Well, um, I do want to ask you, Holt, um, the Florida football is actually the talk of the offseason, um, or I feel like it is. I feel like it's not just Florida. It's more of a Dan Mullen slash Florida and the Florida-Georgia rivalry with what uh, comments Dan Mullen has been saying to kind of stir up the rivalry and uh, troll Georgia. Do you remember exactly what the comment was to get the Georgia fan base going? Because I do. I just want to see how good you've been following your ex. No, I don't remember exactly what he said, but uh, I do know that that is pretty much straight out of the Dan Mullen playbook. He did the thing to Ole Miss when he got to Mississippi State where he tried to just, like, start a feud with them and just try to make the rivalry big and try to make it, like, a big game. And uh, the difference is uh, Ole Miss was Ole Miss. You know, a decent program, but not, not a great program, and Georgia is, you know, competing for a national championship, so – He's definitely got, like, a little ways to go to catch up to, to Georgia. It's so ironic you say that because I, I agree with you. Ole Miss is Ole Miss and Georgia is Georgia. It's kind of like a – you don't really have to elaborate on that too much. It kind of explains itself for most people understand what that means. But I think – and one of you are going to have to correct me if I'm wrong, but the last time Ole Miss-Georgia played, uh, Ole Miss killed Georgia. It was, I think, Kirby Smart's first year. What? Yep, that did happen. I remember. Where Debbie, we were we were actually were we at a game, like a Tennessee game or something? Because I feel like we didn't we didn't we obviously didn't go to the Ole Miss game, but we heard about it. Or I feel like I heard that Georgia was losing to Ole Miss by a lot. Um, Florida was it a Florida game? Let's see. I can I can do some fact checking. Trying to remember. Are you talking about three years ago? It'd been two thousand and sixteen. Uh, let me let me check. It would have been September twenty fourth. Is that the Florida weekend? It would have been, yeah. And that that was the Florida or the <laughs> on saying on. Point. It was actually actually I remember it was Georgia playing Ole Miss and Georgia got murdered by Ole Miss that weekend, if I remember. Oh, are you listening to this? Yeah, I don't uh, I don't know where you guys were that weekend, but I do I do remember that, and I'm not sure how it relates to Florida, but 
we can keep talking about it, I guess. No, no, no. I'm I'm just saying JB's JB's like re- remembering what I just said before that <laughs> that Ole Miss uh, lost or Ole Miss beat Georgia by like 30 points. It was 14 to 45, JB, um, and it was the same weekend as the Florida uh, the first Florida loss to Tennessee in like what 50 years or something like that. Something crazy. I like but, it. What's that? Yeah, so that sounds about right. Yeah. But Florida football, that's actually what I was going to ask you about, Hold, is um, not only if you remember the exact comment, but if that is a Dan Mullen play to stir up the rivalry uh, for the first team. Because I, I think it's kind of interesting because I, I think as a coach, it's like it's very similar if you're watched um, – God, what's the Kevin Spacey show on Netflix that I forgot about already? That's no hard. Yeah. When you're like playing politics, like I don't see Dan Mullen as really like having fun enjoying trolling, but I think he it's like a calculated move he's making to troll Georgia and get his fan base going and get the Georgia fan base going. Because I mean it's probably good for good for Florida for him to get to be to be talked about more in the offseason. So I think it's kind of a calculated move. I don't know what's your thoughts on that. I don't know if it's like him truly passionate about trolling i just think it's just he knows what exactly what he's doing oh no it's definitely calculated i mean that's 100 percent. i mean i just think that you know he's trying to get florida and georgia to be like a big robbery again he wants it to be like a big game and he wants uh you know he just he kind of wants to let his players know that he's not afraid of, of georgia and let the fan base know that he's not afraid uh to take the jabs of georgia and uh, they're not going to back down from anyone. And, I mean, it is a, a smart move. Like, I'm not trying to say that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying, like, I feel like we've seen this before. And this is kind of, you know, what, what you can expect out of them. The exact comment was a reporter asked Dan Mullen what the attendance was for the Florida spring game. And he came back and said 39,476, which brings the question of, like, how did you know exactly – what the attendance was. Why didn't you just say like it was like around 39 or around 40,000? And this is where I love college football and how passionate fans are. Uh, I was just researching on how they found out before this podcast started. And I think some either Georgia or Florida fan figured it out on Reddit because they were trying to figure out for a while what that number meant. And some fan posted on Reddit that 39,476 was significant because it's 39 was the number as the number of years between or since George's last one a national championship and it's been 476 games since the last national championship. So I think it's pretty funny that somebody's figured it out because you have to like, you obviously have to be really, really passionate about college football and care enough to figure it out. But I just think it's, I think it's really cool. And I, I think it's a, I think it's a cool calculated uh, jab. It's not like just saying, yeah, Georgia sucks. We're better. It's just, as being clever about it. Uh, JB, do you think that was clever or would you rather them just say like, we're going to whip your ass. Like, like Muschamp would say something like that. No, it's cute and clever. I'll give a on the benefit of the doubt here. Cute. Cute. I don't like that. I don't like cute. Cute. Sound. Cute's a little condescending. Um, I just, I like it. Uh, no, it's cute and clever. I, I think it's, I give ben, Dan Mullen the benefit of the doubt here. I mean, you gotta, you gotta do what you can to, uh, you know, change the culture there, and he did that in year one. And did. Uh, he, very, very surprising. And Georgia, and Georgia is the program that not just Florida, but everyone in the East is chasing. Yeah, so let's let's stay on that topic, JB. Um, last year, Florida went. Uh, I think it was ten and four, if I remember correctly. I know they won ten games. I think it was ten ten and four is what they did. Ten and three. What's that? 
They went ten and three last year. Okay, excuse me, ten and three, because uh, yeah, they didn't play in the SEC championship. Uh, ten and three, and just destroyed Michigan in the Peach Bowl here in Atlanta, uh, which was surprising to most, except for Holt. I think Holt did call that, if I remember correctly. But yes, I did. Thank you very much for the credit, Alex. Um, I also called Texas beating Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. And uh, I did not place any bets in either one of those games, but I did say it on this podcast, so that counts for something, I guess. Two, two bold, bold moves on hot takes by Holt at the time that actually paid off. But ten and three last year, JB, um, top ten uh, ranking at the end of the year, um, very good year one for Dan Mullen at Florida, uh, despite them winning ten games and beating. Uh, Michigan and the Peach Bowl. Do you think there's a chance that they could have been a little bit overrated last year? I wouldn't call it overrated. I honestly think they overachieved last year. They kind of surprised a lot of us at winning, you know, a few big games during the season that I don't think a lot of us picked them to win. The one game that I have in mind is uh, the game at Mississippi State. I don't think a lot of us had them winning that one. Uh, Also, um, the game against Missouri at home. They got absolutely thrashed. That was a game that came out of nowhere, which they lost. But then uh, the game at Florida State, I think some some people probably had uh, Florida State winning that one. But I think uh, that team last year overachieved a little bit. But then when they beat one that beat Michigan in the uh, New Year's Six Bowl, that was huge for them and a great momentum builder and a good way to cap off a uh, good season for uh, Dan Mullen in year one. Holt is – this is a two-part question, my favorite kind of questions. Is Florida the second-best program in the East? Question two is, can they knock off Georgia? Or is Georgia unto- untouchable, kind of like Alabama is in the West right now? Um, are you asking me if, like, Florida can get on Georgia's level, like, consistently? Or are you asking me, like, if Florida can beat Georgia, like, in a specific game? No, no, no. Not I'm talking about programs, so not a specific year, not next year. I'm talking about, like – yeah, can Florida get it rolling to Georgia's level? But that's that's question two. So make sure you answer this. the first question: Is Tennessee, South Carolina, Vanderbilt are they better program than Florida, or is Florida the second best program in the East right now? No, I think Florida is the second best program in the East right now. Um, I think it's a pretty clear order. I think the first, I think Georgia is obviously number one. I think Florida is obviously number two, and then you know so on and so on. Uh, I think it's pretty set in stone, like at least for the foreseeable future. But I do agree. Um, I do think that Florida could become a really good program, a really like stable program under Dan Mullen. Um, but as I've said on this podcast before, I just don't think he recruits like quite well enough to get on the same level as Georgia. Uh, I mean, maybe I'm wrong and he, he can develop players really well and, you know, um, maybe get on, on Georgia's level. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just think that Dan Mullen recruiting and like, you know, maybe the top 10 to 15 is, is good. And he can build a really solid program with that, especially with his ability to develop quarterbacks. But I just don't know if they're going to be quite on the same level as Georgia just because Georgia is an absolute machine on the recruiting trail. Yeah. So that's, that's good. There's a lot of good follow-up questions from this. Uh, so to get on Georgia or Alabama's level, I guess you're saying that they have to be, consistently recruiting in the top five because people like to say like Florida is not recruiting well or Dan Mullen specifically is not recruiting well, but I, I looked this up before he had a top 10 class in the class of 2019 He has the top 10 class right now, the class of 2020. 
and I uh, twenty twenty one is early, but they actually have like the number one class in SEC for twenty twenty one. But that doesn't really mean anything because obviously Alabama and Georgia haven't got going for twenty twenty one yet. But um, Dan Mullen so far has recruited top ten classes to probably two top ten classes. Twenty twenty is still a long way away, so you never know where that's going to end up. But it doesn't look like they're going to recruit horrible at Florida. Um, I would say to be safe, definitely a top 20 class consistently, if not top 15 or top 10 class going forward. But are you saying to get onto Florida or get on to Georgia or Alabama's level, they really need to be recruiting top five classes, like one, one, two, three, somewhere around there. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think they have to be in the top five um, just because Georgia and Alabama recruit like at that top echelon. And, you know, you mentioned, uh, Florida's recruiting class last year, and I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, there's obviously been a lot of controversy this all season about the number one player they signed, uh, Chris Steele from Southern California, um, was really a highly rated player, the number one player in their class. And he actually transferred. He, he showed up early, transferred out, transferred to Oregon, and then was at Oregon for like two days and then transferred to USC. So kind of just like a totally weird situation there, but um, – you know, they had the problem with him, and then they had the problem with uh, the quarterback they signed last year, Jalen Jones, who uh, transferred out as well and got in some trouble. So, I mean, he is – I mean, he's definitely – Florida's definitely a school that can sort of recruit itself. I mean, you got so many players in the state of Florida, and a lot of players grow up wanting to go to Florida. But I just don't, like – I mean, to me, Kirby Smart and Nick Saban are just different on their creature. I mean, they just recruit, like – I mean, they just recruit players on top of players on top of players. I mean, it's just like they're just so ridiculously loaded. And Florida, like, I feel like they can't build a solid program. It's just I don't know if they can get on that. Yeah. Or they they can just out-athlete, like, 10 of the 12 games on their schedule every year. Yeah. Um, We'll see. Uh, I mean, there are some programs that don't recruit at a high level that are still great, like Washington is a great example of them, but you're also playing the Pac-12. So it's a different different football program altogether. I mean, for Washington can compete. I think they could compete with SEC. They didn't beat Auburn last year at the beginning of the year, but I think Washington's a pretty good team, um, pretty good program that can win without recruiting, you know, top 10 classes. But I, don't, I just don't – I don't see how that is possible or feasible in SEC. I just think you have to recruit really well to win. I mean, at least in the top 20. But um, just just a thought there. Um, you mentioned we're still just staying on the recruiting topic hole here. Um, everybody calls Dan Mullen the quarterback whisperer, and right now, I guess everybody assumes that Felipe Franks is going to be the starter for this upcoming year, uh, like he was the majority of last year. Um, I think not only you, but we as a collection here have been very outspoken about how much we do not like Felipe Franks. Um, so that brings a question since Florida's recruiting top 10 classes, does Dan Mullen have his quarterback somewhere on this team or is it still coming in the future? Um, I mean, I believe that eventually it's going to be Emory Jones. I don't know if that's going to happen this year. I think with Felipe Franks coming back as the returning starter, Mullen has shown throughout his career that he's very loyal to upperclassmen and guys that he knows, you know, he knows exactly what he's going to get out of them. And, I mean, I think Felipe Franks became kind of a serviceable, serviceable quarterback late in the season last year. He obviously started off really poorly, but got better as the season went on. 
and he's still capable of making some really good throws. And with the really talented receivers that Florida has, you know, I definitely, you know, I definitely could see them having, you know, a decent year on offense this year. Um, but I, I still think that on Felipe Franks' ceiling, especially in that offense, I just don't, you know, I mean, he's just, he's a big guy and he's, he's got some athleticism, but he's the run, you know, the run heavy quarterback that Mullen's system is used to using. And I just feel, I feel, I feel like that uh, in some bigger games this year, it's going to be really hard for, uh, for Franks to, to get anything going. Um, but I mean, as far as Jones goes, I do think he's eventually going to be the guy after Franks moves on. And I think his time on the bench is going to be, you know, well-served. I think he's going to learn a lot and, uh, and develop really well. And I think eventually he's going to be a good quarterback for them. Yeah. I'm actually pretty excited about seeing Emory Jones this year. I think technically he redshirted last year, even though he played because of the four game rule. Um, but this year, um, I'm excited to see how much he'll actually play or how much he'll use it. If our Dan Mullen will use him, if it'll be like a two quarterback system, or if he'll just kind of slowly ease him in to take over Felipe Franks. But um, I don't know where Florida fans sit on Felipe Franks. I, I would imagine it's actually pretty similar to how we think of Felipe Franks. But um, it, I mean, they, people also could say, oh, he's a senior. He's about to, you know, step up to the plate because he's a senior and has his experience. And Dan Mullen is year two under Dan Mullen, so maybe he'll actually uh, be a lot better. Uh, Dan Mullen will develop him more. But we'll see. Uh, but I'm excited to see Emory Jones more than Felipe Franks. <laughs> Um, well, I think Felipe Franks is actually a redshirt junior going into this year. I mean, he's a senior, um, you know, fourth year there, but he's a redshirt junior. So he's still got two years of eligibility. Damn, that sucks for them then. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I just want to point out that Dan Mullen did start Tyler Russell over Dak Prescott for three years. Mm, good point. Good point. But, yeah, yeah, I don't even know how to, like, answer that, like, justify that. Tyler Russell wasn't bad. Tyler, I mean, Tyler, Tyler Russell was a step up from Ralph. I think. Did most people think that hold? Yeah, I mean, I guess it just depends. I mean, he was definitely a better passer, not quite as good of a runner, but overall, he was a better quarterback for sure. For sure. Debbie, I want to ask you real quick. Um, with Florida, if Florida wins the state of Florida in recruiting and just being the best program, then they'll probably be a national powerhouse um, and obviously be good in the SEC. But that, that is the question right now. Who has the brightest future in the state of Florida from all the different universities? You have, uh, obviously, Florida, Florida State, Miami are usually the big three that everyone quotes. But really, I mean, if you want to be honest with yourself, UCF has had the best team in the past, like, two or three years, even though you can say they didn't play anybody, but they have definitely have been in the media the most and the most consistent team, regardless of who they play. But um, just curious who you think has the brightest future. And that's really, I guess, a question on the coaches for the different Florida schools. But what, what do you think about that? Well, I think uh, all three programs, the big three programs, all are potentially are top five national programs, you know, given the right resources and, you know, the right players at the right times. But right now I'm going to go with Florida because I think they're the most stable at the moment. I, with Dan Mullen, we know what he accomplished at Mississippi State. Uh, he's got a stable team at the moment. Uh, he's – has his team ready and poised to, uh, you know, start competing as a top 10 program in the next couple of years consistently. Uh, as for Florida State, uh, we saw how they struggled last year with Willie Taggart. He's got some work to do in Tallahassee to get that program back to a respectful level. And then with Manny Diaz in Miami, uh, he's a first-year coach, also a first-time head coach. And uh, we don't know what to expect from Miami either. 
I think Diaz was going to win it Miami, but, you know, nothing is given because he's unproven. We don't know what he's capable of. And as far as, far as uh, the other program in that state, UCF, I'm not sold on Josh Heifel in the long term. I think that that program is going to take a slight drop off. I think Scott Frost is just really that good at getting the right players in that system. Yeah, I do. I do want to see Scott Foster do well at Nebraska. I think he he didn't have a great year, but it was just a tough year. And I think it's what's funny is that this day and age, uh, fans are pretty impatient for coaches to coaches to you know win win with their guys and uh, you know not win right now. Like most most schools want their or most fans want their schools to win like right now, especially when they bring in a big coach. But uh, Scott Foster had a pretty bad first year but I think everybody there was understanding of that a um, couple questions to that um, the first question I think was a, was a question to hold since hold is our insider here at Mississippi State um, are you high on Manny Diaz at Miami Holt? yeah I, I am I've always really liked Manny Diaz I've always thought that he was a really intelligent guy um, I always thought he was on his way to being a head coach until um you know, things kind of went downhill at Texas, and I think he was kind of unfairly scapegoated in that whole situation. I think that Mac Brown kind of lost, uh, you know, kind of lost control there, and I think Manny Diaz was just kind of the scapegoat. Um, I think up until that whole situation, uh, he was really seen as an up-and-comer and a, and a really good coach. He, you know, finally he got another opportunity at Louisiana Tech, um, and he kind of worked his way back, you know, getting the Miami job a couple years ago, and you know, now it's been, you know, I mean, it's been a really good couple of years for him in Miami, and they've been really good on defense. And um, also just really appreciate the fact that uh, even though he was on that staff and, you know, he, he worked with those guys like every day, that he wasn't afraid to fire like the entire offensive staff as soon as he got the head coaching job, which is to me is just the most like hilarious thing ever. The defensive coach who's, who's got like a really good defense and like a, is on like a terrible offense and then he gets the head job and he just fires everyone on offense. I mean, that just, I don't know why, but that just kind of cracks me up a little bit. But it's a ballsy, think, ballsy move. Yeah. And I mean, to me, it's just one of those things where it's just kind of like, yeah, if you guys like, you know, <laughs> y'all suck, y'all suck. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he's like, yeah, I'm tired of carrying this, uh, carrying the load here. But uh, I think that eventually it's going to work out. I don't know how good they're going to be on offense this year. And we'll obviously talk about that. You know, we start breaking down the game, but you know, I, I think that that was a pretty good hire for Miami. I think it's going to work out in the long run. We'll see. I, I do get a little mad, and not to get too off topic, when coaches do what he did, which was accept a job and then immediately accept another job. But, I mean, in fairness, I guess you can understand to some degree that it's his dream job. But it's kind of a shitty move whenever you go accept a job and have a press conference for like an hour, two hours, answer questions and say – how much you appreciate this opportunity and love this, love this program, this university, and they're all excited about it. And then you immediately turn around and shit on them pretty much. But we'll talk, we'll talk about that later. I don't want to take up this podcast talking about Manny Diaz. Um, but anyway, and then I also want to mention real quick, I do, I do love Lane Kiffin at FAU. He had a bad year, but um, he is my favorite, favorite, one of my favorite coaches, him and Mike Leach, probably my two favorite coaches, just from an entertainment standpoint, I guess, for the most part. Um, but let's get to Florida football. Um, let's talk about their specific uh, offense and defense. Um, so I think both of y'all know the team better than I do. I'll tell you what I know, and I'll let you uh, – well, I guess I'll let JB start it off, and then Holt can put on after that what you know. So what I know, JB, is that according to you, there are 
five returners on offense and five, excuse me, five starters returning on offense and five starters returning on defense this year. We have Felipe Franks, a quarterback with uh, Emory Jones coming in, uh, maybe taking a spot. Um, their running back, Piron, is pretty good. Uh, I think he might be all SEC before the year's over. He's, I think, preseason, second team SEC. They have a couple of good uh, defensive players, too. I can't even say their name, but they got a uh, guy, Henderson, on defensive back. That's preseason SEC. And Zaniga is defensive line. <laughs> and uh, they got a good punter, Tom, uh, Tommy Townsend. Uh, but other than that, I don't know as much as you, JB. So I'll let you take the take the floor and tell me what you're most excited about Florida uh, this year. Well, most I'm most excited for the uh, defense. But uh, going back to the offense, uh, you know, it really just depends on, you know, who you look at as far as how many starters they have coming back. Um, I'm going to – because the way I look at it, it's not about who takes the first snap last year, you know, considered a starter. To me, it's – if you play over 50% of the snaps in a game or around 50% of the snaps in a game, then I would count you as a returning starter the following. And, uh, I would really count another three guys on their offense that are returning starters, and uh, Trevon Grimes and Kadarius Tony and Freddie Swain, who are all at wide receiver. Uh, that's going to be Florida's strength next year is on their, uh, in their wide receiving corps. So that's probably one of the better uh, wide receiver units in the entire country. Uh, the biggest concern I have is on their offensive line. They only have one guy from last year's group that's coming back, their center, Nick Buchanan. That's my biggest concern for them. And also they got Michael Pirine uh, back. He was not considered the starting running back last year, but he had the most carries. So I, in my book, that I kind of was a starter because he, took the mo- he had the most carries last year. So, I mean, they do have some guys coming back on offense at the skill positions. That's where they're going to be pretty set. My biggest biggest concern is on their offensive line, considering that uh, Dan Mullen's system is a likes to have a power run uh, first and pass second. And with the, the way that uh, that offense is set up, you got to hope that Felipe Franks uh, grows up even more from last year and can carry on from how he ended last season and become a really successful pocket passer. Because with the with the weapons that they have, like I think that's going to be their best bet to move the ball is utilize the passing game because it's going to take them probably half a season for that offensive line to gel and for them to get the running game going. I think they're going to have to become more of a pass first team in the beginning of the year. And you got to hope that Felipe Franks is ready to uh, not be a game manager, but be a guy that's going to be able to carry the team. And as for defense, uh, I'm really excited about them. Uh, their defensive line is solid. Uh, I think it's one of the best defensive lines in the SEC. Zuniga is a first round pick coming up this year. I would, I think he's probably going to be a first-round pick. He's really good. David Reese is their play caller on their defense. Their outspoken leader. He's really good. Another guy in their secondary that missed a significant amount of time last year who some pundits don't consider a returning starter. I do because he would have been starting all last year if it wasn't for an injury, and that's Marco Wilson, whose brother is Quincy Wilson, who was a star defensive back at Florida too. But I'm really excited about the defense next year. I think this defense – could arguably be the best in the SEC. And I'm concluding other great defenses like Alabama, LSU, and Auburn. I think Florida's going to be the best, not just in the SEC, but in the country. And I'm really excited about their defense. Oh, whenever I think about Florida as a program, um, and maybe it's just because of Urban Meyer, but I think of playmakers uh, on offense. I think about all their speed. Even on the defense, they have a lot of playmakers. And 
Dan Mullen was the offensive coordinator at Florida under Urban Meyer when Tim Tebow was there. So you think like a little bit of that rubs off and, you know, there should be a lot more playmakers, but I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't, I don't see the playmakers that on Florida's team this year that I'm used to seeing at Florida. Yeah. I mean, they, they're still pretty good at the, at the skill positions on offense, but I do agree. They don't have that like Percy Harvin, like type player. I think Kadarius Tony is, is really solid and fun to watch. Um, and I think they're going to try really hard to give them all a lot more this year, but you know, I mean, maybe they, they're not quite to that, that level that they were under Urban Meyer. And a lot of that has to do with um, how poorly Jim McElwain recruited at Florida. Um, so, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how it, how it kind of goes uh, this season. Um, I think, the, as JB stated earlier, the receivers are going to be the strength of this offense. And the running backs are not bad by any means. The running backs are, are solid. They're solid SEC running backs. You know, I mean, the question mark is going to be on the offensive line more so than the skill positions. I mean, you know, I do agree with you that they're not quite to the level they were under Urban Meyer, definitely. But that was an elite group. And uh, but I think this year it's going to have a lot more to do with how the offensive line kind of comes together than than the skill positions. I'll never forget when I think it was it was early on in the Mississippi State tenure for Dan Mullen. Uh, <laughs> we were playing. We were playing in somebody football on PlayStation. You were Mississippi State. And I was like, dude, why are you why are you just like running with the quarterback all the time? He's like, yeah, you're like, yeah. Um, a lot of people think Dan Mullen has this like high power dynamic offense, but it's actually a lot of like boring like runs up the middle. And it kind of stuck with me. And I think I think about Dan Mullen's offense exactly like that. And I kind of watch them differently now. Um, but despite what people think about Dan Mullen's offense being great, is it still kind of a boring offense to watch because it is a lot of QB runs up the middle. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of like the basis of his offense is, you know, he knows that he's going to have – if he doesn't have what he wants on the outside, then he's, he knows he's got numbers in the box and he can just run it with the quarterback every time, and that's always like a, a solid, safe play. I think that's pretty much always what they're going to check to. If they don't see what they like at the line of scrimmage, that's what they're going to go to. You know, he'll even do it on like third and long. You know what I mean? He'll just run like a quarterback draw, like straight up the middle and – just get like better field position to punt it. So, I mean, he, he kind of got a reputation as being, uh, you know, like a, a super like high powered offense. I mean, they definitely did at Florida, but a lot of that had to do with the fact that they had Tim Tebow and Percy Harvin and like all those great players that they had. And, you know, Aaron Hernandez, you know, shout out to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they just had a, a lot of really talented players. And I think that was part of the reason why they were so explosive on offense is just because, um, you know, not, I mean, not saying that Demlin isn't like a really good offensive mind. I, I think he is. It's just I think he kind of got that reputation because they were so talented and because they put up so many points. Would you say his biggest skill or talent as a coach is um, adjusting his players or his system to his players? So it's not necessarily the same system year over year. Um, he might just, I guess – take advantage of his players that he has their biggest strengths. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, I mean, it really just depends on the season. I mean, you know, we saw times where, you know, like maybe Dak Prescott senior year when he became more of a, a passing first quarterback and they didn't really have a, a great running game. They, they threw the ball a lot more. They spread it out a lot more and threw it more. Um, so, you know, and then other points in time, you know, they would, you know, load the bot or, you know, bring in the extra tight ends or whatever and run the ball um, when that was his strength. So, I mean, he pretty much – I mean, he will kind of carry the offense to the strength of the team, but it's just 
uh, you know, at this point, I'm not really sure what Felipe's, uh, Felipe's uh, strengths are. I mean, he's not <laughs> a great runner. He's not really a great passer either. The arm uh, strength, the arm strength. Yeah, he's definitely got a strong arm, that's for sure, and he's a big guy. So, uh, you know, I mean, maybe he's improved a lot this year. I'm not sure. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but, you know, Dan Mullen, he, he finds a way with his quarterbacks to uh, to at least make him productive. I mean, it's funny you are talking about Chris Ralph earlier because that's exactly what I was thinking of because, like, Chris Ralph was not an SEC quarterback, like, at all. And he actually was serviceable under Dan Mullen. I mean, they won nine games one year with him at quarterback. So, um that was like when the SEC West was really in its heyday. I mean, that was when like Arkansas, LSU, and Alabama were all like rolling at the same time. So, I mean, he definitely like has he definitely finds a way to make it work. And uh, you know, he he is a little bit on the conservative side, but not like in a bad way, just kind of like in a smart way. Yeah. Well, I well, I'm not gonna ask you to elaborate on it, but conservative side. The first thing I think about is the Alabama game they should have won. Now, two years ago, um, when they were up and Alabama came back with that, I think it was, was it Judy that had the touchdown? Like, now he didn't have the touchdown reception, but it was like a, like, 60-yard pass or something like that, that I know you probably cussed out or said a few cuss words at that point. Yeah, but, I mean, that being said, I mean, I don't really want to talk about that game anymore, but, you know, I pretty much said what I got to say. <laughs> That's all I gotta say about that. It's a good reference. Um, all right, so looking at the Florida schedule, JB, which game are you most excited about? And don't say it's hard. Um, it's it's always hard. It's always hard. <laughs> but uh, the game I'm looking forward to the most on their schedule. I mean, does does it really have to be Georgia? I mean, I feel like Georgia seems like the obvious game, but I'm actually looking forward to LA when they play yeah. LSU. That's a very big swing game. For both teams at that point of the season, I think both teams that are probably only I haven't elaborated on LSU schedule yet, but judging by Florida's schedule at this point, they're probably only going to have maybe one loss up to, up to this point. So both teams are going to be in the thick of the uh, conversation, not just in the SEC but in the country. And uh, there's some bad beef between these teams in the last few years. I mean, that's been one of the better rivalries, and they're both equally talented. That's the game that I have circled for Florida. I would probably agree with that, despite, you know, it's funny that you mentioned Georgia, like Georgia's obvious, and I didn't even think about Georgia just because, um, I guess, I don't know, I think Georgia's going to win, but it would be fun to see Florida win just to get the rivalry going, but I definitely thought of LSU being the most exciting game for me as well. Um, Holt, looking at the schedule, Vegas has projected nine wins. Where do you see the floor and ceiling for Florida this year? See, that's really tough. Um, I actually would take the under on that uh, personally. But, you know, I mean, I, I think it just kind of – I mean, it kind of depends on some teams on their schedule and how they do. You know what I mean? Like, what does Kentucky look like? I mean, we don't really know. What does Tennessee look like? We don't really know. Um, I mean, I feel like South Carolina is a solid team. That's going to be a really tough game to win on the road. Auburn's um, you know, game, I think. Yeah, and then, yeah, I mean, Auburn at home. I mean, when you asked JB, like, what game stood out to you, that was the game that I was thinking of was that Auburn game because I really, you know, I mean, I could see Auburn kind of bouncing back this year and actually being, like, a really good team. And that has a chance to be a really good game, I think. So, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of teams on their schedule that could kind of go either way. And a couple of those games are going to be on the road. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be really tough. I, I think they could actually be 
just as good as they were last year and then, like, still have, like, a little bit worse record just because, you know, maybe what some other teams in their schedule look like. So you're not going to give me a floor and ceiling for Florida this year? Um, I give you one. No, well, I know, I know you can't. Huh? Do you, you got one, or do you want to defer to Jake? I mean, yeah, I mean, I could say, I mean, I could see them losing five games. I don't think they will. So I think the floor would probably be seven and five, the ceiling maybe ten and two. That's same for me. Same. Yeah. Um, well, I guess we'll get to it, but we talk about Auburn. I, despite uh, them having a underwhelming year last year, um, they'll still probably be. I don't know exactly, but preseason top twenty. I definitely top 25, but I don't know. I have to look at the rankings. Um, I just looked at Florida just now, and they were um, preseason top 10. I think they were, like, at number nine. Uh, excuse me, eight on NCAA.com. I don't know if that's, like, the official preseason ranking that we'll see on ESPNs um, whenever they actually play. But um, that is a, a pretty good ranking for Florida based off of last year's. And I'm looking at now Auburn's preseason uh, number 17. So, well, and that's, you just don't know what you're going to get with Auburn with that. Like that could be a very low ranking for them or like way too high, depending on uh, how they do. We'll see. Um, all right. So floor of seven wins, ceiling of 10 wins. Um, that's a pretty good window, uh, but you would still take the under, right? Holt? Yeah, I would go the under on that. Just a safer pick. Do what? Just a safer pick to do the under. Yeah, safer pick, definitely. All right, so let's just go ahead and get to the schedule. Uh, before we go one by one here, this very first game against Miami, I just want to say thank you to both teams for scheduling this game and what we call week zero because week zero is just like a big tease and it's usually shitty games. But this is the only big game week zero, and I hope this is like the trend going forward if we are going to have a week zero because it's it's so nice to have a good game week zero, especially a primetime game that you can focus on because if you think about during the season on Saturday, there might be like four or five big games in one day and like two or three of them seem like they're on at the same time. But with this one, it's going to be the only big one on, so everybody's going to be watching. So I, I know JB appreciates this a lot, and obviously you do too, whole, but especially JB for some reason. Yeah, like I'm, I'm excited about this uh, week zero thing, and I'm hoping that this will be the first game of a long trend of like primetime games that'll occur in week zero, like at least one major matchup in week zero every year. We'll just say with you, JB. Uh, we're just going to get into the schedule here with this game uh, against Miami in Orlando. Um, what do you see as going down? This is Manny Diaz's first year, as we talked about, year two of Dan Mullen with the preseason top 10. Seemed to me that it would be like a, I would say, easy one for Florida, but Florida's definitely going to be the favorite here. Uh, Florida's definitely the favorite, but not so fast on this being an easy game for Florida. Manny Diaz is very familiar with Dan Mullen's system, and he knows that, uh, he, you know, when he when he does his film studies, he's going to know that Florida's going to have, you know, a very, uh, you know, patchwork offensive line that he's going to be going up against in that first game, and I think this game's going to be an ugly game. I think it's going to be low-scoring defensive struggle. But I'm going to go – I think Florida does have the edge here on offense. I think that uh, Mullen's going to be able to have his offense make enough plays against this Miami defense. But it's not going to be a uh, blowout by any means. I think this game's going to be close. I actually think this could be decided by just one possession. Holt, do you know who has the all-time series between Florida and Miami? Uh, I believe Florida does. You are wrong. 
according to Wikipedia, Wikipedia could be wrong too, but I actually trust Wikipedia more than most people, but uh, very close. It's Miami leading 29 to 26. It's, it's so funny because I guess in our generation or our era, we, we think of Florida as being like the powerhouse, but um, as JB has told me many, many times that Florida is relatively new at being a good football team or good football program. And if you think about like the, the Miami teams or the, the U in the eighties and nineties, uh, they were obviously dominant and actually really the early 2000s. So like the very beginning of our childhoods, I guess, uh, Miami was the dominating team in the state of Florida. But um, recently Miami just has never been able to get it together. It seems like, and Florida has been dominating, but Miami does own the all time series 29 to 26. Yeah. That doesn't really surprise me. I mean, when I say relatively new for Florida being an elite program, I mean, it, that's just going by like a hundred years standard. Uh, Florida wasn't really an elite program until Steve Spurrier got there. They were always a sleeping giant. And, and when Spurrier got there, he finally helped that program realize its potential. And I don't ever see a time where Florida should never not be good in football. I mean, Spurrier helped them realize that their potential when he got there back in the uh, late 80s. Hold, break down the game for me real quick. Yeah, I mean, me and J.B. Rush were talking about this for a podcast, and he basically just told everything that I said. Um, <laughs> cool. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think Florida's offensive line versus Miami's defensive line is going to be a really uh, good matchup for Miami. Um, you know, I, I just don't know if this is, like, the best situation starting off for for that offensive line to go up against a really good defensive line in my, with Miami and a, a coordinator or a head coach um, and Manny Diaz who likes to blitz a lot and bring a lot of different types of pressures. Um, and Manny Diaz is going to know everything that Dan Mullen wants to do. Um, you know, obviously they coach together two different two different times, and uh, so he's very familiar with Dan Mullen's offensive, uh, you know, offensive approach. And uh, but I'm still going to go with Florida in this one. Um, I, I think they're just a little bit more talented team, and I really like Florida's defense as well to uh, to give Miami's offense a hard time. So I think it's going to be a really ugly game. I think that you know. Don't be surprised if you look up look up in the third quarter and this game's like you know six to nothing or six to two or something weird like that. Yeah, it'll definitely be a fun game to watch for all of us. I'm excited for it. They're just like both of you. Uh, so, want to know if Florida takes a week off uh, when everybody else starts on Labor Day weekend and comes back to Gainesville to play UT Martin at home? Um, it's only ESPN SEC Network, so and it's prime time. I don't know how it got prime time, but it's seven thirty p.m. Uh, oh, 7.30 Eastern, I should say. But uh, that's going to be an easy win uh, that we will not elaborate on. Uh, 2-0 and for taking on Kentucky into in Lexington. This is a uh, revenge game for Florida. Um, I don't think Florida takes Kentucky super serious, but this year um, they probably will just because they lost last year and Kentucky made such a big deal. Uh, I'll stick with you, Holt. Uh, how do you see this game going? Because you were talking about how hard it is to predict Kentucky this year, and this game is at Kentucky. Right. And, you know, last year Kentucky finally got the win, but over the course of the last five years, it's actually been a lot of really close games aside from uh, 2016, I believe, where Florida beat Kentucky pretty easily. But other than that, over the course of the last five years, it's been a really close series. And I just, you know, I mean – I'm probably going to regret this, but I'm going to pick Kentucky in this game. Um, it's on the road. It's at the grocery store, and it's going to be a tough game for, for Florida. And just that offensive line going on the road early in the season, 
Um, I do think it's sort of a revenge game, but it's also sort of a trap game at the same time. Um, I still think this is a game Florida feels like they should win. And, you know, they got Tennessee the next week, and I think that's going to be maybe a little bit more of their attention. And I just I just kind of like Kentucky this year. I think that they're not going to take nearly as big of a step back as people think. And, um, you know, I'm probably going to regret this, but I'm picking Kentucky on this one. It's good. All right. So that's two and one, according to Holt. Uh, JB, keep it kind of short because I don't want to keep this podcast for two hours. I'll let you uh, go off on Tennessee, but can you just keep your prediction really short here for Kentucky. I've got the opposite view of Holt. I think that Dan Mullen is going to be out, you know, have his team ready for this game against Kentucky after what happened last year at home. He's not going to let this team overlook Kentucky at all. I think they're going to have their focus, you know, week-to-week basis. But between at Kentucky and hosting Tennessee, I think they're going to have their eyes set more on the Kentucky game. I think that they're going to come in sharp and ready and focused, and I think Florida prevails in this one. Oh, so I am the tiebreaker here, and I will agree with JB here and say Florida. And I think that's good for us because I think we all kept it consistent with our Kentucky podcast here. So that's uh, 3-0 Florida here taking on Tennessee um, at Gainesville. So uh, the question is, JB, Tennessee didn't win a couple years ago that we we were at that game. Do you think Tennessee can get it going this year and beat Florida for the second time in, like, four years? I mean, I, it's, it's funny how we were just talking about the game at Kentucky. This game is now almost like a trap game because it's coming off the game at Kentucky, and Florida has dominated this series. And uh, both teams are going to be 3-0, and but at this point I think you're going to have a lot of the uh, you know, so-called talking heads around the country. They're not going to be really respecting this Tennessee team, and Florida players are going to be hearing about it about how they're expected to blow out Tennessee and, you know, this game being at home and probably likely the CBS afternoon game. I mean, they're, all eyes are going to be on this game at, at, during the day. But I, I think this game's going to be close. I think Tennessee's going to come in fired up and ready to play in this one. But uh, ultimately, I think Florida just has too much talent, and I think they're going to make enough plays on their offense to win in a uh, somewhat low-scoring game. I think this game will probably finish in the 20s. I think Florida wins this one maybe by a score of like 27 to, uh, you know, 17, something like that. But it won't be exactly a blowout. But I think Florida makes enough plays on offense in order to uh, prevail in this one. Yeah, I think it's um, – I, I would just say just because it's it's at home. Before, I think Florida's the best team either way. But uh, with it being uh, at Florida, I think it's going to be easier for Florida to win. Um, Holt, you got a quick, quick prediction for me? Yeah, I like Florida in this one, but I do agree it's going to be a close game. Um, I just feel like Tennessee, this is going to be their first really big game. Uh, it's, the Florida game is always a big game for them, and they always get up for it. So I'm going to go uh, with Florida in this one, but I do think it's going to be a really close game. I just think Florida's got a little bit more playmakers um, on offense. All right, so that's 4-0 Florida. That really turns into 5-0 and because they play Towson for uh, the next week at, at Gainesville. And then they come back – or stay in Gainesville for the following week to play Auburn. So that's a, what, one, two, three, four, five and oh, Florida team playing Auburn in Gainesville for the rivalry. And let me look at Auburn's schedule. Auburn has a little bit, a little bit tougher schedule, so they might not be undefeated going to this game, but this could be another CBS game. Uh, Holt, I think you're the one who was saying this is the game you're most excited about, so I'll let you talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just think it's funny that, uh, Florida has this game listed as their homecoming. Um, they could have done Townsend like the week before, or they could have done wondering like, Vanderbilt, 
later in the season. So that, I mean, that's just kind of interesting to me. And also, you know, you know, we talk about Florida kind of struggling on the offensive line, but Auburn's defensive line is probably going to be one of the best in the country this year. So it's going to be, you know, when you look at that matchup, I really do think that uh, Auburn has a chance to, to make some noise in this game. Um, I really wanted to pick Auburn in this game. Um, I was going to pick Florida to win one of the Auburn LSU games and then lose the other one. But I think I'm going to go with this one just because it's at home. But I do think that Auburn's going to feel a little bit disrespected in this game. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if Auburn went down there and, and beat Florida in Gainesville. JB, you got a 30 second prediction for me? I'll try to make it 30 seconds. But I'm a really, really high on Auburn this year. I think they're going to be the team that uh, surprises a lot of people in some ways. I think they've been highly disrespected. Um, with the Osmos on taking all over the offense, I think you're going to see the offense that started off at Auburn when all, when Gus Malzahn took the job. I think you're going to see a lot more of that uh, mixing, you know, a lot of the uh, run and uh, read options that, that made that offense so pro- prolific. I think Auburn's defense, especially the defensive line, might be the best. Derek Brown, Nick Coe, and Marlon Davidson, an awesome trio. I think they're going to be able to control the line of scrimmage against Flores' offensive line. And, and I, I'm going to go with Auburn in this one. I think, you know, Auburn, looking at their schedule, they're going to have, like, one loss. This is going to be like a backs against the wall kind of game as far as staying in the uh, national picture. I've got Auburn going into Gainesville and uh, getting uh, Florida will uh, be knocked from the unbeaten rank. Yeah, um, I'm actually going to agree with you, JB, uh, and go with Auburn here to break this high uh, between you and Holt. So, um, yeah, I, I, you might be like me, JB. I, th- I feel like me and you like Gus Malzahn more than most. I, and I know Holt doesn't – I don't think Holt likes Gus Malzahn as much, but I, I like watching his offense when it works. Obviously, I think everybody does. But um, I just think uh, there's always a lot of potential in Auburn. And actually, I, get, I feel like I get burned a lot too by Auburn because I always think they're like, you know, a sleeping giant or a top 10 team that nobody's even talking about. Um, but that's that's kind of how I think Auburn is this year as well. I think they're – they have a lot of potential for next year, and you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm excited to see if Gus Malzahn can keep his job next year. We'll see. We'll see. So that's Auburn winning that game, according to us. Five and one for us. Still probably a um, top ten team, I would think, because they're probably moving into like close to top five by that point uh, against Auburn. Um, taking another hard, uh, hard week against LSU and Baton Rouge. This is a tough one, Holt. Um, LSU is going to be really good this year too. And like JB was saying um, that LSU and Florida can match talent for talent. So um, it's going to be a tough game for Florida at, at Baton Rouge. Yeah. I mean, I think LSU has a chance to be a pretty solid team this year. I mean, I, I don't. I'm not as sold on Joe Burrow as everybody else is. I think a lot of people see him as like the third or fourth quarterback in the SEC. Um, I still haven't really seen enough from him to kind of make me think that. However, LSU's defense, I think, has a chance to be one of the best in the country this year. I think they're loaded. I think Dave Aranda is probably the best defensive coordinator in college football. So, I mean, you put all that together, and I, I just, I just think that LSU has a chance to really do a lot this year um, just because there's not really anyone on their schedule that I look at and think besides Alabama that they can't win. Uh, obviously this game is a really tough place to win. And uh, I'm going to go with LSU to win this one. But at the same time, I wouldn't be super surprised if Florida went over there and won this game. I just think Dan Mullen's a better coach than Ed Orgeron, like plain and simple. And I think that Todd Grantham always, 
he really thrives against offenses that struggle in the vertical passing game. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to beat Todd Grantham, you're going to have to do it, like, throwing the ball down the field. And I don't think LSU is capable of doing that. But at the same time, I just don't – I just really don't see how Florida is going to be able to move the ball on LSU this year. I mean, that defense is going to be maybe the best in the country. JB, is this the t- toughest game of the year for uh, Florida? Uh, along with Georgia, definitely. I mean, this is the game, Mike, we talked about in the beginning of the podcast that I have circled for Florida. Uh, this series has been great the last few years. Uh, it's been highly competitive. Uh, this is the first time that Florida is making a trip to Baton Rouge since 2016 when they made that goal line stand and held off LSU at the end and ended up, you know, winning the game and also winning the SEC East. Uh, this is a huge game. And, uh, you know, last year, uh, LSU uh, pretty much – I don't know if I'd say dominated, but they were in control last year in Gainesville. And then Florida was able to make some big plays in the fourth quarter in order to win that game. I think uh, Ed Orgeron's going to have his team fired up for this one. This is going to be in Baton Rouge. Uh, and when there's always a big game in Baton Rouge, you just – not except with the exception of Alabama, it always seems like LSU always comes out ready to go and you, a lot of times wins it. I'm going to go with LSU in this one. I think it's going to be a highly competitive game. And I, I like LSU's defense uh, to make some plays against a, with Miranda going against Mullen. That's an awesome matchup, really good chess match. But I like LSU's defense to make a, a few plays in this one, especially with that secondary. I may make some get a maybe an interception or two that changes the tide in this game and I'm gonna go with LSU. Five and two Florida goes to Columbia to play South Carolina. Um this could be a game this could be a hungry South Carolina team uh and a hungry Will Muschamp uh trying to save his job. This could be a game that I don't know if it would save his job. It would just I'd actually make Florida look really bad if they uh, lost this game because that would be three losses in a row. But um still be a good win for South Carolina. So it's going to be a tough place to play. Uh, Columbia is kind of underrated, I think, in terms of how hard it can be to play when, when they actually fill it up. Uh, so I think it's going to be a tough, ga- tough game. But I think Florida's going to win this one. Um, I'll stay with you, JB. What, what, do you, what do you got in this game? Yeah, at this point of the season, uh, South Carolina is probably going to be hovering around 500 at this point. And, I mean, let's face it, South Carolina's got the toughest schedule in the country this year. I mean, they really got their work cut out. Uh, just to even almost get bowl eligible. And, and they're going to be better this year probably. They're probably going to be a better team, but their record may not show it uh, just because of how tough their schedule is. Uh, Florida at this point, uh, if our predictions hold true, they'll be have a lot of two losses. But like you said, Williams-Brice is one of the more underrated places to play in the SEC. It's a very tough environment when the fans are going at it. And I think this is going to be a uh, backs-against-the-wall game for South Carolina. They're going to come out fired up and ready to go. And I think this is going to go all, you know, all four quarters, all the way to the end. But I think Florida has the better defense. When I think Florida makes enough plays on their defense to maintain South Carolina's offense, and I think that Florida scores just enough in a low-scoring affair to win this one. Oh, I don't know about you, but I like the idea of a former fired coach beating his team that fired him. AKA Will Muschamp beating Florida. So I think it'd be pretty fun and slash exciting to see Will Muschamp beat Florida. And then they didn't, they didn't do it last year, but they did it two years ago when I think uh, he beat McIlwain. Although uh, to be fair, everybody beat McIlwain. Yeah, it definitely is. And, um, you know, I talked about earlier about the teams that have success against Todd Grantham's defense. And I think it seems they can throw the ball. And I think South Carolina is going to be able to throw the ball pretty well this year. I think Jake Bentley's really kind of flying under the radar this year because of how he finished last year in the bowl game. But 
I mean, if you go back and look at the season he had last year, it was actually pretty impressive, especially in that Clemson game. He threw for like 450 yards or something like that. So, I mean, he's he's definitely got some talent, and they got some really talented receivers as well returning. And, uh, you know, you alluded to South Carolina being a really hard place to play, and I definitely agree with that. So, uh, I'm actually going to go with the upset here and go with South Carolina. I feel like I'm picking the, a different, like, every game different than both of you guys. But <laughs> I definitely – I just I just like South Carolina in this game. To me, the question is, is, like, where is South Carolina's mindset? Now, we talked about this on the South Carolina preview, but, like, their schedule is so hard. It's just, like, how do they – keep those losses from like compounding you know what i mean like because they're probably gonna lose to alabama like you know almost definitely they're you know they're gonna lose at georgia like it's just gonna be a really really tough schedule uh for them and it's just like how do they respond to that do they get beaten down do they get worn out does it like wear on them mentally or do they just kind of have this back against the wall us against the world type mentality um because i think that they're good enough to win this game and i'm picking them to win this game just because i believe and I, I just believe in Jake Bentley, maybe to a fault, but I just think that he's kind of been underrated this preseason. I just want to give him some give him some support. So I will be the tiebreaker here, and I will say four, but I think it will be a close one. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. So that's, uh, I think, six and two, Florida taking on Georgia in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. I think I got that right. In that's Jacksonville correct. against Georgia. Um, biggest rivalry game this year, JB? Um, I mean, arguably it is. I mean, just because, you know, the jabs that uh, Dan Mullen's been throwing at uh, Georgia to try to spice up the robbery and knowing that that's the school that they're chasing to uh, get back, you know, to the top of the East. But Florida's going to have an off week going into this one. And if our our predictions at, up to this point, there'll be a 6-2 and two team. Uh, Georgia at this point, I think, is going to be undefeated. Uh, they're going to be in the thick of the national title race, definitely top three in the country at this point, maybe number one, depending on how the other teams fare. But uh, I am uh, going to have to go with Georgia in this one. I just think they have way too much talent. They're more balanced than Florida. And, uh, you know, the way that Mullen has been j- jabbing Kirby Smart, you'd almost feel like that they're just going to be, you know, laying low up until this game, and then they're just going to absolutely unleash on Florida. And I'm not going to say they're going to be a whooping, but I just think that they're really going to come out fired up in this one. But, you know, like Holt says, Florida won't back down either. I think it's going to be a really good game in the first half and maybe through the third quarter. But I think in the fourth quarter, Georgia's going to make a few plays in the fourth quarter. That's going to break this into double digits. And I think probably by about you know, possessions. Holt, as a fan, would you rather be on the Florida side where your coach is taking jabs at a big rival like this? Or would you rather be on the Georgia side where um, your coach is – not saying too much and just waiting for the game so they can just destroy them. Um, well, I mean, I assume that your question is more relating to like how I want my coach to act and not like what I want the results in the field to be. Um, Cause obviously I would prefer to be on Georgia's side because they're a way better team. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not um, talking about Georgia. But like, like, I want like, Georgia because they win every single game, but yeah, as I'd, like a fan and coach, I guess. Yeah, I would definitely like to be on the side of the coaches talking a bunch of shit, especially if it was someone like Steve Spurrier. Like, if Steve Spurrier was my coach, I just feel like I would really appreciate that, and I would just really – I would really like that. Um, you know, I just think that would be kind of exciting. But, uh, you know, I mean, I think Dan Mullen is – you know, he's fine. Uh, I think Kirby Smart, I just – you know, I kind of like the way he handles it. Like, it's so much better to be quiet when you're awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, when you're quiet and you suck, then, like, you know, you kind of just – you know, you, you know. I mean, if you suck, it doesn't really matter what you do. Like, you're gonna look dumb no matter what you do. But like, yeah. when you're quiet, awesome, 
and like when you're loud and you're awesome like i mean it really just it really just depends on how good you are you know what i mean like you know like it all comes down to what you do on the field if you like if you're winning on the field then it doesn't matter like what you do like people are gonna think that that's you know it's like part of the reason why you're great it's kind of like that movie bull durham i don't know if you guys remember that yeah when uh they're in the locker room in the minor leagues and the dude's like you know why do you have fungus growing on your uh shower shoes and he's like dude who cares and he's like no like you shower shoes like you know you can't be walking around the minor leagues with like messed up shower shoes it's like but once you get to the big leagues and you win 20 games you know you then you can let fungus grow on your shower shoes and the media will say colorful <laughs> yeah that's a classic movie that actually might be one of my favorite baseball movies it's, it's a really good one that i feel like people don't give enough credit for yeah that's my favorite besides hardball i think hardball is my favorite hardball and the sandlot are probably like one and two and then Dol- Brol durham is probably the next one you know, people people talk about Field of Dreams being like one of the best baseball movies, and I just I, I like I like it, but I don't love it. People just love that movie. I don't really love it as much as everyone else loves it. It makes me sad. Yeah, but it's uh, a sad. It's a sad movie to me. It, so, it, it does get me my feelings a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. It was so is Hardball though. Hardball's really sad. Not to get off topic, Alex, but uh, I think we should get back to uh, talking about Florida football and uh, going up to the uh, Vanderbilt game. Yeah, so if I don't, really yeah, I, just, I think Hardball is a really good movie. Um, it's just like I, I feel like it's really underrated because Keanu Reeves is in it, and like it's just not really like the most well-known movie. But Hardball, like I gotta give it a shout out. That's like one of my favorite movies of all time. I just love that movie. I think the whole movie's great. Obviously, the ending is really sad, but I think the whole movie's really great. Yeah, and a Wendy Peppercourt though in Hardball. Yeah, that's true. The Sam the Sandlot does hold kind of like a sentimental, like childhood, like type. You know, it just, it just gets those you know those old timey like throwback feelings you know what I mean? yeah it's it's the it's probably the most quotable movie too yeah definitely very quotable uh so vanderbilt football i really don't even want to talk about this because i just think this is an easy game but jb's gonna disagree with me because vanderbilt has played florida close in the past so let jb talk um, i hate to interrupt you but did you ask me who was gonna win the georgia florida game no i think you said georgia uh, i don't think i said that <laughs> go ahead go ahead hold no, because I'm actually picking Florida to win this game. Oh, all right, all right. Well, here's the question I actually have for both of y'all. Um, that we, we just went through the probably the toughest part of the schedule: Auburn, LSU, South Carolina, Georgia, and picking it. In the- Alex, I'm not joking. I really am picking Florida to win that game. I know, I know you're not under that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a follow up question. Don't worry, don't Are worry. You, hey, like, let me talk about it. Like, I, that was like I was leading up to that like this whole podcast. I've been like shitting on Florida the entire time, and I picked them to beat Georgia, and you just want to like change the subject. <laughs> All right, go ahead and go and talk for an hour about Florida, Georgia. They have a good song, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm picking Florida to win this game. I think Georgia's overrated this year, but I'm not sure who on their schedule is going to be able to beat them. Maybe South Carolina, maybe Notre Dame, maybe Texas A&M. But I'm going to pick Florida to beat them just because I really don't think Georgia's going to be able to go 12-0 this year. And I think all the crap that Mullen's been talking has kind of given his team, like, a little confidence. And I think Georgia's going to, because of all the trash that he's been talking, is going to kind of sink down to Florida's level. Um, I think if they're smart, they will, they'll just ignore it and just show up and play the game. But I think that he's going to get in their head a little bit, and they're going to sink down to Florida's level and maybe play a bad game. And I think Florida's going to get the upset upset win, and this is going to be – because in my scenario, Florida's kind of been struggling a little bit this year. Um, but they're going to get that big signature win um, to get all the fans back on board. So my question is, Auburn, LSU, South Carolina, Georgia, back-to-back-to-back-to-back. To back to back to back. The hardest part of the schedule, uh, that four-game stretch. 
Uh, we we know how we picked individually, but that's four games. I think it's I think it's easier to sometimes to talk about a schedule in terms of like little uh, parts of the schedule, like pockets of the schedule, like that. That four game stretch, you might say they you know they lose to Auburn, LSU, and Georgia, but like you might say as a whole, out of those four games, they could probably win two games. So they might win two games. That's how I kind of feel about this is that I think they are going to lose to Auburn, LSU, and Georgia individually. But I think out of those four games, they might win two of those games. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's possible. Yeah. JB, you think they can it's win three? It's going to get down to how they do in that stretch. I think, like, of course, they're, how you look at the season is going to be determined by how they do during that stretch. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we'll see how uh, – Uh, all right, let's let's get it going here. Uh, we can keep this under two hours. Vanderbilt, JB. I know you want to talk to talk about this game more than I do, so go ahead. I mean, I you got to give uh, Vanderbilt the benefit of the doubt here. I mean, they compete against everybody in the East. And last few years, uh, Vanderbilt's had a lot of close games with Florida. And uh, last year, you know, um, the game was uh, I think Florida won thirty-seven twenty-seven, but uh, Vanderbilt, you know, jumped out to a pretty decent lead in this one, and then Florida, you know, came roaring back in the second half. Uh, Vanderbilt, at this point in the season, they're going to probably be uh, playing for their bowl lives. So I think they're going to come in games playing really hard. But, I mean, I think that for, you know, just they have way too much talent for Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt lost a lot of uh, players and starters in, in the 2D team. And I, I just don't think they're going to have the horses to, to uh, pull off the upset in game. But they're going to come out playing really hard for their coach. And I think that's going to be a – a relatively close game for, you know, about two and a half quarters. Florida will uh, pull away in the second half and win. Oh, you think you keep it under 20 seconds? Yeah, I like Florida in this one. All right, there you go. That's good. It's beautiful. Um, that is, I think, a seven and three Florida team. Eight, yep, seven and three Florida team going to Columbia, Missouri this time. Take on Missouri. Missouri is kind of like the uh, – <laughs> it's funny we said that say that this year but they were like kind of like the darling or the um what we call the hot pick for last year um but or trendy pick i guess is what i'm trying to think of last year but they might be the trendy pick this year because everybody thinks they're gonna be better under kelly bryant um holt do you think kelly bryant's gonna be too much for florida to, to beat um i actually think this is gonna be a really good game um i think Missouri's gonna be in a position to maybe make a new year six bowl at this point in the season if they win this game um, so it's going to be at Missouri. It's going to be a big game. They won this game convincingly last year. I know it was with Drew Locke and maybe a little bit more uh, passing, but the fact that they went on the road and won this game so convincingly last year kind of uh, makes me lean towards Missouri a little bit. Um, I just think that, you know, I mean, I, I'm just – I think Missouri is kind of underrated. On, they don't really think about it as much as they should. Um, I think defensively they're not a great team, but it's not like Florida's a great offensive team. So, I mean, I, I think that uh, – you know, Missouri's offense versus Florida's defense is really going to be the difference in this game. Uh, who's able to win that battle? And I just – I really like Roundtree and uh, our boy Alberto to make some plays in this game. And I'm going to go with Missouri in, in a really good game. Dang, you, a couple couple things. You really hate Florida this year. And, two, you still love Missouri. I thought you were over that last year, but you still like them. Dude, we, did, I, you didn't even listen to the Missouri podcast, dude. You don't even know, like, what I picked. I'm just saying this is not a game that Missouri should win. That's all I think. But did you see this game last year? What? Did you see this game last year? 
this is still not a game that Missouri should win. Dude, Missouri won this game by like 80 <laughs> last last year. Yeah, they won 38-17 in Gainesville last year. And, and uh, like Holt was saying, um, unfortunately, Missouri is banned from bowl this year, which is Missouri is going to be really good. And and as I was talking to Holt before this podcast started, really a 9-3 and record in the SEC will probably get pretty much guaranteed to make a New Year's Six, and I think Missouri is going to be able to meet that mark uh, just because of their schedule and also because I think they, top to bottom, actually will be a better team this year than they were last year, even with the loss of Drew Locke. Uh, this one, later in the season, uh, they're probably going to both have similar records. I think that Missouri and Florida, give or take, will probably have you know 7-3, 8-2 records. I've got Florida at 7-3 at this point, Missouri at 8-2. And here's another factor going into this one. Uh, Missouri in mid-November can be really, really cold by this time of year. This game might be like in the lower 40s by this point, which weather that Florida is accustomed to, and that can play a factor for a uh, team like, you know, Florida going up against a team like Missouri that's used to those elements. But I, I don't. I'm not going to say that's going to be a huge factor, but it definitely can play a role. But I like Missouri in this one. I think Missouri is more balanced than Florida. And uh, I really like this Missouri team like I alluded to in the Missouri podcast. I think this team is probably going to finish us second in these standings this year. And uh, with this game being Columbia, and I like uh, Missouri to win this one. Yeah, I totally forgot the Missouri to go to a bowl game this year, so I'll take that back. So you're picking Florida now? No, I'm still picking Missouri, but – And JB also gave a way better explanation than I did, too. I'm, a- I'm actually getting kind of tired here, so we should probably wrap this thing up. Well, good thing we only have one game left with Florida State. Um, I guess I was wrong about Missouri. I didn't know they were going to the national championship game this year unofficially because they can't go to a bowl game. But um, excuse me for picking Florida in that game. Florida State, the big rivalry, uh, maybe the third biggest rival this year. I don't know because uh, they actually have four technically with Miami and Florida State, Tennessee, and Georgia. But then also Auburn LSU kind of rivals too. I don't know. But uh, Florida State, the the Florida Cup as they call it. Um, in Gainesville this year, what you got, Holt? Yeah, I'm going to go Florida in this one. Um, I just I'm not really sure what Willie Taggart is doing. I'm not sure he knows what he's doing at all. Um, I really have no idea what to expect from them this year. I really like Cam Akers as a running back, but I just I'm not sure what they're going to be offensively. Their offensive line was atrocious last year. Defensively, they weren't that great either. So. I mean, I'm going to go Florida in this one just because I, I just think that Dan Mullen's a way better coach than Willie Taggart, and I just, you know, they're at home. I mean, they won this game pretty easily last year. Um, I'm just I'm just going with Florida in this one. JB, you concur? I do concur. It was a massacre last year in Tallahassee. It's going to be a massacre in, in Gainesville. I think Florida blows out Florida State and caps off uh, the season with eight or nine wins. So, According to me, eight wins, but it definitely could be nine wins. But it's it'll, it'll cap off their season, be their hated rival, and they blow out at home on senior day. I got nine wins. You got eight wins. I think Holt has eight wins as well. Correct, Holt? Yep. yep. Different different ways we reach almost the same conclusion. So I guess I'm higher on Florida than y'all. Um, but I, I, have, I have beaten Georgia, though. So yeah, I think maybe. I deserve it. Yeah. Well, if they're, if they're right. If they're right, then. So what, what, do I, what do I get if Florida beats Georgia this year? You you get to college. you get to watch JB eat Waffle House. I don't know. Mm. I feel like I should get better than that. JB JB will buy you some ribs at Central. All right, that's a deal. All right. Or wait, Alex, do you mean you have to shake on that? Um, I'll shake. I'll shake on Labor Day. 
All right. Do the Harlem Shake. <laughs> All right. So, um, been a pretty good Florida podcast, uh, a little bit too long than we had liked, but we just like talking about Florida so much. That's the problem. Um, and Dan Mullen, of course, whole text. So, um, it's been, been fun. Again, thanks for listening to us this long. And thanks, Florida, for scheduling Miami in week zero. So, we have something to do before Labor Day. I'm excited about it. Holt's excited. Chavis is excited. We're all excited. Next podcast, I think we might skip Georgia because everybody talks about Georgia and just go to the West and start talking about the West team. So, uh, be on the lookout for the next podcast coming up soon. Until then, we'll see you later. Thanks for tuning in to another outstanding episode of the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoked. Spread the good word on this podcast like the chili and cheese on your fries. If you like this podcast, tell a friend because there's plenty to go around. Oh, yeah.